reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. at your family and said, I must be adopted, or am I the only one that's done that? I had to be adopted. Now, I remember around 30, uh, maybe about 20-some years ago, no, about 30 years ago, that, uh, let me give you a, a setup of my family. My, my grandfather is an ordained elder. He was an ordained elder from uh, Edinburgh, Scotland. He lived in Edinburgh, Scotland. My dad was an ordained Nazarene pastor. My uncle was an ordained uh, Nazarene pastor. My other uncle was an ordained pastor of a, a non-denominational church, and my cousin was an ordained pastor that lived in Alaska, that pastored the largest church in Alaska. And uh, we had this big family reunion with my, my, my grandfather at Northwoods Inn. I don't know if you're familiar with Northwoods Inn in Monrovia. And uh, we were in the restaurant, and it was just such a formal setting. And I was thinking, there's no joy in this family right now. It's just everyone's proper, everyone's doing this. And so I decided, you know what, if I'm adopted, I'm going to act like me. <laughs> and so I met my grandfather in 1976 for a week. And then I met my grandfather again later on as an adult. So I didn't have such a tight relationship with my grandfather. Many of you have. So I decided my uncle was sitting with my uh, with him, and I, his name is Colin. I said, Colin, I want you to tell Grandpa a joke, because I decided, you know, put some humor in this. And it, so he's deaf, so my uncle goes, Kevin wants to tell you a joke. And I said, because, you know, we're all Scottish, you might as well do the Scottish jokes, right? So I said, how did the four Scottishmen die drinking milk? And he goes, how? he's yelling this. How did the four Scottishmen die drinking milk? Now, I'm cracking up before it even starts, before I can get to the punchline. So he goes, how did the four Scottishmen die drinking milk? And I said, the cow fell on him. That was the punchline. So he goes, the cow fell on him. And my grandfather started getting ticked. And I go, oh, shoot. I never told this guy a joke. He's 90 years old. And he's starting to explain this whole thing and explaining it. And I could see my uncle's face. And you know how your body temperature just gets warm? And you're going, everyone's looking at you like you're the jerk of the family now. You're just pissing Grandpa off. And so he, my uncle comes. He goes, you wouldn't believe this. And I go, what happened? He goes, his favorite uncle had an orchard. He had a cow that was sick. And they loaded the cow into this wagon. 
and pulled it, and his uncle was in the wagon holding the cow. They hit a bump. The cow fell on him, crushed him, and he died four months later. And I was just going, how would I know that? <laughs> and so on the way home, I, my dad's going, you know, you got to be careful about your jokes. And I go, Dad, what are the odds? I'm <laughs> someone that died with a cow falling on him when it comes to a Scottish joke. So needless to say, that sapped the joy out of me, trying to bring joy into this family. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to get in your word. We thank you, Lord, for the worship team uh, singing praises and giving joy uh, and living joy. And we pray, Lord, as we work together in just discovering joy in our life, how we discover it, how we hold it, we just pray, Lord, that we will grow in your word. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Now, I don't know if you ever look, read polls. And I love reading polls. But there's a Harrison poll that was interesting, that they give this poll every year. In the last decade, what they ask is they tried to discover how many Americans are actually happy in the USA. And so they ask this question every year, and the highest percentage of Americans in that survey in the last decade is 35%. 35%, according to the survey, are people that are actually happy. And I was going, that's pretty low. Now, if you think of your life, there's times that you're happy and times that you're not. And so I decided, well, let's do some research. Let's look at another, another research that said, what are the top reasons people are unhappy? And I looked at this, the statistics, and I go, wow, this is fascinating to me. And so one of them was real good. It said the top seven reasons people are unhappy. And you can follow me on the screen. The seventh one is stagnant, stagnant wages that take unhappy, create us unhappy. Basically, the complaint is, hey, it's expensive, prices are going up for everything, but my wages are still the same. Number six is heavily medicated people, illegal or legal drugs, which is interesting to me because we try to, especially the legal drugs, to, get over, to find happiness and joy, to get out of our reality. And so the next one is our gadgets that disconnect us from relationships. We see this, and I've been part of this, that we're sitting at a table and we're on a phone, right? And we're not connecting with each other. The fourth one is 50% claim in this poll that they're stressed out. They're highly stressed. And I can vouch for that because even the doctor said, you know, you've got to work on your stress level. And I go, well, how do you do that? But you have to do it. The third one I thought was fascinating was envy of people more well off. Joel Osteen, I don't like. Not because it's theology. He's, a, he's the same age as I am. He lives in a $22 million house. I don't live in a home that I own. He has a church of 50,000 people. I have a church of 100 and some. He wrote books. I don't even read books. <laughs> and so I'm going, that's not fair. Number two, all work and no play. Americans work a lot. We don't take vacations. I'm telling you, I get it. And the number one reason is we are unhealthy because of high obesity and diabetes and lack of exercise creates an unhappiness in all of us. 
But let me focus on something that I think the surveys don't focus on is this. And I put it on the screen. Although Americans are still quite religious, most don't enjoy a rich spirituality which nurtures the soul. We have gained the world, but we are losing our souls. And I believe if we're not nurturing our souls, because we're human beings, human, human meaning the flesh, being meaning the spirit, that what happens when we don't nurture the soul, then we begin to be driven by what we call greed. And this is fascinating to me because even as Christians, even as pastors, we can be driven by greed. The greed to succeed. The greed, I want more. I have to have more to find contentment and peace. To be successful. So I don't, people compare themselves to me rather than me comparing themselves to others. And so what happens when we're motivated by greed, then, then what happens, then we're overworked, we're stressing out, we're overdoing a lot of things, and what we end up doing is we end up going to the gadgets and the drugs to compensate with our schedules so we can continue to do our schedules. It's a vicious circle. And so we think, including myself, consuming is going to make me content. It's going to make me happy. And so if I get something, then I'm going, yes, I got it. Like me, I got my dream car. There's a payment every single month that takes that excitement away, right? And so you just go, oh, my goodness, you got to be kidding. And so the consumerism, like me, is interesting. In the, the society that we live in, whatever gave us joy and happiness at that moment was a moment of joy and happiness. And then we move on to something bigger. Then we move on to something better. And so, therefore, we feel that if I get more, then I'm going to be more happy with life. Now, why is that? Why do we do this? Why do we grab onto this little vicious game that we play? Follow me on the screen. Most of us are busy chasing happiness when what we need is joy. Joy is already in inside of us. Now, get this. Joy is already inside of us, but it's something that we must be chosen we choose joy not by chasing it, but by stopping and letting it catch up. And so instead of me pursuing what I think is going to make me happy, and I'm going to get this, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to achieve this, then I just need to stop chasing this and allow the joy to catch up. And the reason why I allow the joy to catch up is all of us in our spiritual DNA, there is joy in there. Joy is something that's not dependent on the circumstances around us, but it's dependent on the inner spirit that's connecting with God's spirit. And when we don't nurture the soul, what happens? We nurture greed. We nurture pursuing. We nurture comparing. We nurture this. And we get in this vicious little cycle. And so how do we catch the joy? Follow me on the screen. Prayer, meditation, gratitude. That's hard, isn't it? Add to the gratitude, spending meaningful time with significant others, enjoying healthy home-cooked meals around the table, getting enough sleep and exercise, and worshiping with others are all ways we, get, we, we let joy catch us. But those are all things we must stop to make space for in our lives. Choosing joy is not just about choosing an attitude. It's about choosing a lifestyle in which our choices feed our souls and allows the joy inside to be released. 
Do you see what I mean? It's not like, oh, I'm going to be happy, happy, happy. It's not going to work. But the whole lifestyle changed. We had people over, uh, the church over, some of you guys over last night for our Christmas party. And I really enjoyed just listening to people talk. There was not one person picked up a phone. Not one person. And it was interesting. It was just conversation with different diverse people, different races, just enjoying one another's fellowship. But it's a choice. You have to do things like this. And we went Christmas caroling. Um, and even during the difficulty, we went Christmas caroling to the rest homes, two of the rest homes. And people were asking me, what's wrong, Kevin? What's wrong? Because I was quiet. Going to the rest home is difficult for me because my mother has dementia. And so we, I had to push myself through this um, because we, the, when the lady, the second the lady goes, let's go up to the uh, memory care center upstairs. And I go, oh, shoot, I don't want to do that. And so we went upstairs to the memory care center and we started singing. And everyone, include, yeah, every, everyone that was in the dining room began to sing with us. Because you have to understand, when you have dementia, music, when music kicks in, they start singing the songs exactly the same. That gave me joy. Because it reminded me a lot, like my mother, she enjoyed singing. So you can have joy even in the midst of loss, those moments of joy. But it's a lifestyle that you need to choose. Now, the thing is, what's interesting, too, Paul uses these telling words, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. And I love this because basically what he's saying is saying this is something that we have to learn. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He doesn't say rejoice when things are going terrible. Or why, because in 1 Corinthians, he says, love does not rejoice in wrongdoings. But I can have a choice, again, my joy that's dependent on the inner, inner relationship and the spirit of God within me, that it can go beyond the circumstances that I'm facing, the loss that I'm facing, because my mother loved Christmas. And so this is where we join in God's spirit. Now, this is interesting, because Paul wrote this when he was in Cancun on vacation. No, he didn't. <laughs> Okay, because <laughs> I just make my own interpretation of the Bible, isn't it? No, because it's interesting because when, when he says rejoice in the Lord always, where did he write this? He wasn't on vacation. The dude was in prison. And he had to understand back in those days, if you didn't have support by your friends that gave you stuff that you need, you die in prison. And so the prison system back then was horrible like it is now. And so, therefore, he was thanking God for them. And this is what I would call a mic drop. And one of the days when I um, retire, I'm just going to drop the mic, you know, whenever I retire. With my pension, I'll be 102, but I'll drop it <laughs> if I can pick it up. And so, this is where he says this. I've learned to be content. Learned. A choice. A lifestyle. With when, whatever I have. I know what it is to have little. I know what it's like to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and going hungry and having plenty and to be, being in need. I can do all things through him, he says, who strengthens me. 
See, this is where I think he, he connected with the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah put it on the screen, for the joy of the Lord is what? My strength. When we're sapped out emotionally, physically, and spiritually, the joy of the Lord is the strength. Therefore, what Paul is saying, if you don't have the strength of the emotional energy, learn to rejoice. Because that's going to be your strength. And that's tough. And so back on the screen, choose joy by what? Slowing down, stopping, and letting it catch up with you. It's already deep inside of you. Now, I'm going to have Sam Anna, uh, if she can light the joy candle and then sit here. You notice, Sam Anna, I, I gave her, she gave the $100. I gave her the $100 to do, to give joy to someone this week. And so if you can light joy. She has the great, there's people, I'm sorry. She has the greatest son because her son, after church on Sunday, said, my mother suckered you big time. And I go, why? She goes, she got you to pay for my therapy for the week. <laughs> so Sam, you can grab a mic. Sam is a lot like my wife. She's a school teacher, and, uh, and they have no problem speaking publicly in front of kids. But Sam was going, I don't want to speak in front of everyone, any, anyone. And so I said, well, we have to do it because you chose $100. <laughs> and people, people just kept coming in. I know. And so if you notice why, what I did during Advent, I've been giving $100 from my own money. And today I gave this $100 is from my mother-in-law because I forgot the $100. So during church, <laughs> she's going to deal $100. <laughs> so I need to repay her. But... Um, so you were sitting there with Brooke last week, and when I mentioned $100, you were, boom, your hand went up quick. I don't know if you second-guessed it or not, but what, what made you, what were you thinking? What made you raise a hand so quick? Well, can I back up? You can back up all you want. Oh, I started when. <laughs> so that Friday before, so a week ago Friday, I was sitting in a meeting, very boring meeting at school, not even at school, at the district, and I got this email from a teacher who wanted to put one of her students on the Santa Claus list okay. that was going to happen on Monday because she had learned during the week that this little boy missed two days of school because it had rained and his shoes got wet. Okay. And he only had one pair of shoes. And they got wet so he could come to school. And then he also didn't have a sweater. So mom didn't send him to school. So I read the email, and I read it twice, actually, because it just didn't seem right to me. Like, those things just don't happen. Right. And out loud without thinking, because I do that sometimes, I said, this sucks. This makes me mad. Yeah. And the director of achievement was sitting next to me, and she said, what's going on with you? And so I told her, and she okay. said, can I just give you money? I just want to give you money right now so Matt and go buy this kid some shoes. Right. Um, so I went back to work, and I was all upset, and I was like, get this kid on the Santa Claus list. But right. they wouldn't do it. Because they the list had, this, okay. this list had already gone in, and it's a big city thing, and they're like, do you want to go fight with this pe the person at the district who's in charge of Santa Claus? I was like, I don't know. It's like this big, but nobody talks about it. <laughs> <laughs> no okay. So I went home and I shared the story at the dinner table. I was talking about it. And Brooke said, you need to get that $100 from Kevin. But my reaction, <laughs> that's what he said. He's <laughs> not going to give you $100. Like, go see Kevin. So go see Kevin. He has $100. But my Kevin's first reaction was like, no, Kevin's going to make me talk. I don't want to talk. Yeah, that's true. Kevin's, <laughs> Kevin's earning Joel Olstein money. Go ahead. <laughs> so, all right. Okay, write a book. Yeah. So, um, 
I kept thinking about it all. Oh, so when I went back to school, the secretary said, how about we just pitch in money, and we'll right. see if the principals want to give money, and we'll just go buy him shoes okay. and get him what he needs. Okay. So I figured that's what I was going to do. Right. But then my hand went up. Your hand went up, and you chose $100. You stood up there. And it's interesting because what you did, you didn't tell me. She goes, all you said was, this is deep. And that was it. I'll talk to you later. So you never gave me a heads up on it. And I don't even know to this moment, I don't even know what she did because I trust you. <laughs> and so what happened after Sunday? So after I sent a, I sent a message to the secretary and um, can, I, can I mention another religion? You can mention another religion. She's, she was a Jehovah's Witness and grew up very strong Jehovah's Witness. Right. And in her later late teens, just... Is that my cue that I have to get down? No, that's just the medication. Okay. <laughs> so she has since, in the last couple of years, she's been really questioning right. that. And has, has seen, the, I guess, almost the torment that kids go through in that religion. And she's questioned and questioned and questioned. And it's put a really... A barrier between her and her dad because her dad is very high in right. that church, in the religion. So I texted her and I told her, I said, hey, my pastor was giving away $100 to spread love, joy, peace, whatever. Whatever. And I said, I want to take, <laughs> take it, I tell you, I hate doing this, okay. and give it to Peter. Right. And she, like, like, on her text message, I could just hear her. She was like, Oh my God! I can't believe that. That's incredible. Uh, Let's talk about it Monday. Right. Okay. So on Monday when I went in, um, we were all in the office, and one of the girls said, "I want to shop." Okay. I want to do all the shopping. I said, "Okay, here." So I okay. gave her the hundred dollars. Gave her the hundred. Okay. I trust her. I was like, "Okay, here you go." Okay. So I gave her the hundred, and do you have pictures? Yeah, I do. Where? They're up there. Okay. Uh, take the she, this lady could shop. She bought so much stuff with that hundred dollars. Um, is it up there? Yeah, and there's yeah, two others. there's tons of stuff. Yeah. And she was so cute. She said, I had so much fun. I took my son because he's 13 or 14, so he helped me make sure that it was cool. You know, <laughs> that's important. <laughs> <laughs> but then the principal and the vice principal gave her another $100 okay. and said, go buy shoes. Okay. So they got him two pair of shoes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And the next day I had walked in and I said, is there anything, do you need more? Right. Brooke wants to give a hundred more. Okay. My family wants to give more. Brooke makes money? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We pay him? <laughs> okay. I won't go there. <laughs> so he said, we need to do more. Okay. So I went and I said, is Peter okay? Do we need to give more for Peter? Right. She said, no, but there was a, she said, Peter's fine. The teacher's going to buy him toys, because what kid wants just a bunch of clothes, right? Right. The teacher's going to buy him some toys. And she said, but a grandmother came in yesterday mm -hmm. crying, and she, because her daughter is really struggling. Right. So I said, well, if you can get me information, we'll do something for that mm -hmm. family. Grandmother didn't call. Grandmother didn't respond. I was like, I don't know what to do. And so I went to work Wednesday. I had an agenda. I had things to do. I was going to lock myself in my room, turn off the lights, don't tell anybody that's my secret. <laughs> so nobody knows I'm there. Right. And she called me and she said, the grandma just walked in. Okay. <laughs> Went over there, sat in a little office and listened to this lady just pour out her heart. She just cried. Mm -hmm. And her daughter's having a hard time. It's the daughter and the two boys. They rent a one room in a house. So technically they're homeless. 
And the little boy had been hospitalized a couple months ago, and the mom doesn't get paid when she doesn't work, so therefore she's like stuck in this little cycle, and the grandma was just in tears. Mm -hmm. So I told the grandma, we're going to help you. Right. That's why we're here. And I said, God is bigger. Mm -hmm. We serve a bigger God, right. and I know it's not like, oh, but I was in a room with this little boy. <laughs> I was fine, and she just cried. Okay. She just was, she just cried. That's all she could do. Right. And, um, Gave her a hug, and she blessed me, and I said, that's fine. I'll take all the blessings I can get. And she went out, and she thanked the other lady. Mm -hmm. And so yesterday, my niece and I went shopping. We were tired, and we were zombies, and it's tough. I'm right. not as good a shopper as that right. one, but we got the boys some things. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. So, so your $100. I text Kevin. I said, we tripled your $100. He said, good. Give me back 200 <laughs> <laughs> Now I know it's because he owes you a <laughs> hundred. That's true. I did say that. <laughs> so it's interesting because the first one that we gave the hundred dollars to, they helped a uh, little girl that um, from a single mother to buy some shoes. Last week we we saw that we helped a gentleman with groceries and stuff that was having open heart surgery that could not work, and I. Uh, and the thing is, the other two were telling me how the conversation got out. And all of a sudden, they hear this little church is giving money away to help people in need. And so it's a reputation that you want. You want. And it's not much. And then today, you were talking about tripling the money and the income. And I didn't do anything. The lady had a blast shopping. One of the other ladies was excited about gift wrapping. Every, you know, the two other ladies in the office gave more money, right. and I really didn't do anything. I just took your money. <laughs> you want to give me more <laughs> So thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, I have another $100 from my mother-in-law, and I, I'm going to repay her. Uh, it's in 20s. It's not a $100 bill. Let's, let's look at the rules, and uh, we're going to ask if someone else wants to volunteer to take the $100, and uh, the rules are this. Use the money to share the Advent words of hope, love, joy, and peace to someone or to a group of people outside of our church. You can't give it to your wife and go, hey. Um, and then um, use the money that week before the following Sunday. It must be given directly to a person or persons and not as a donation to an organization, and give it in the name of Jesus. Come back in the light of the corresponding Advent theme candle the following week and share how the money was used to bring the word to someone. So we're only talking about how we just touch people's lives for three hundred dollars. It's not much. And so, do we have another volunteer that would like to take another hundred dollars and then come back next week? We'll take a picture later.